The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something special. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And then I got really interested in narrative journalism and discovered that all of my interest in um, storytelling and poetry could be translated into a journalistic format. So I became um, a writer for magazines and became an editor of a a magazine that served the Intermountain West here in um, uh, Utah and absolutely loved it. it was, you know, really sort of felt as though I'd found my calling in many ways that I could work with writers. And um, I, I sort of had this fantasy of being the next Malcolm Gladwell, you know? Um, and then it all fell apart. In 2009, the magazine I worked for just didn't have enough money. And one day we all got hustled into an office and we were told that the magazine was closing that day. Pack up your stuff. Thanks for giving it a good go. And that was it. And that is when the, sh- you know, the shit hit the fan, <laughs> so to speak, that prompted um, what turned into a memoir. And welcome back to The Writer Files. I am still your humble host, Calvin Reed, wishing you pages, patience, and perseverance per usual. Critically acclaimed memoirist, Melissa Bond, spoke to me about her dark night of the soul, crowdfunding her lauded memoir, and the paperback release of Blood Orange Night, a memoir of insomnia, motherhood, and benzos. Melissa's a narrative journalist, editor, and award-winning poet whose breakout debut memoir, Blood Orange Night, is a Barnes & Noble nonfiction book of the month and was selected by the New York Times as one of the best audiobooks of 2022. Publishers Weekly said of the book, in this raw and captivating debut, journalist Bond chronicles her volatile descent into benzodiazepine addiction Bond's narrative casts a burning light under the hazards of overprescribing and the threat it poses to vulnerable people. And Melissa blogged and became a regular contributor for Mad in America in the years of her dependence on benzodiazepines. She's a respected speaker and writer in the perils of overprescribing, has been featured on podcasts including the New York Times Book Review and others. In this file, Melissa and I discussed her guerrilla street poet poverty phase and hosting national poetry slams, why she never imagined writing a memoir, how she kickstarted her hit book in just three days, the transformative process of finding gems in the rubble of difficult times, her process, meditation practice, and sitting beyond oneself, how to quiet the gnome of self-doubt, 
and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. And don't forget, you can always support this show by heading to writerfiles.fm, where you can also sign up for email updates and other resources for writers. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us. We are back on The Writer Files, and I'm honored today to be joined by an esteemed guest. I've got critically acclaimed memoirist Melissa Bond is hanging out with us, and obviously you're, you're much more than that, but uh, we can start there and then talk about all things writing. Can't wait to pick your brain today. Yeah, yeah. I'm super excited to be here. Well, you have had a really fascinating journey to uh, this incredibly harrowing and, and critically lauded memoir, Blood Orange Night a memoir of insomnia, motherhood, and benzos. And of course, I think your original subtitle was a little bit different than that. And I would love for you to take us back. And I know, you know, obviously, (laughs) the book itself is a testament to kind of what you have been through uh, that kind of generated this incredible piece of um, self-reporting and journalism and uh, so much more than that. But um, take us back a little bit, because obviously, prior to the memoir, you had had this kind of very interesting career as uh, not only a journalist, but a poet and, you know, kind of kind of immersed in the writing life. But yeah, take us back prior to the memoir and just kind of as we do with so many authors, give us a little kind of cliffs of your superhero origins. (laughs) I like that. So so pre memoir and pre kind of um, life Fukushima, which resulted in the memoir, I was living like sort of my 20s were that like kind of very unromantic but glamorized poet poverty phase, you know, where I wrote a ton. I um, hosted the poetry slams here in Salt Lake City. I did tons and tons of like guerrilla street poetry. And everything for me at that stage was about, you know, getting my art out there, but I felt somehow as though. You know, and a lot of a lot of writers may, may go through this. I think I went through a, a really intense phase where I felt as though if I tried to sell my own work with too much vigor, somehow it was a soul death that I was, you know, sacrificing the the virtues of my art to to you know commodification, and so that hence the poet poverty. <laughs> um, but it was a fun life. You know, I traveled a ton. I went to. Um, New Orleans after Katrina and did a whole project there. And I was always traveling and writing about the stuff that I saw while I was traveling and a lot of, you know, deep internal musing. And then I got really interested in narrative journalism and discovered that all of my interest in um, storytelling and poetry could be translated into a journalistic format. So I became um, a writer for magazines and became an editor of a uh, a magazine that served the Intermountain West here in um, uh, Utah, and j- absolutely loved it. it. Was you know really sort of felt as though I'd found my calling in many ways, and I could work with writers. And um, I I sort of had this fantasy of being the next Malcolm Gladwell, you know. Um, and then it all fell apart in 2009. So the recession hit Utah a little later. The magazine I worked for just 
didn't have enough money. And one day we all got hustled into an office and we were told that the magazine was closing that day. Pack up your stuff. Thanks for giving it a good go. And that was it. And that is when the, you know, the shit hit the fan, (laughs) so to speak, that prompted um, what turned into a memoir. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. What a harrowing time for a lot of journalists. And of course, you experienced it firsthand. Um, like so many authors on this show that I've spoken with about that particular time in history, um, that implosion, so to yeah. speak, of the industry. And of course, the memoir speaks for itself. But um, I'd love to talk about not necessarily the, the writing of the book itself, but kind of the journey then once the book was finished and, and, you know, not even once the book was finished, but kind of, uh, I'd love to talk about kind of the inception of, uh, not only the Kickstarter that you, um, funded to, to do the work, but then kind of that reception once it had, you know, gotten out to the world and people were like, whoa. (laughs) Right. Let's see. 2015, I got divorced you know, at that point I had two little kids, one with special needs. So I had been doing the kind of stay at home mom thinking I was going to be the stay at home mom, artist, writer, mama, but then had this health crisis hit that was prompted by medications prescribed by my doctor, which is what the book is about. And with the divorce, there was suddenly this question of how am I going to make a living? I mean, so many writers face that, you know, I I didn't want to teach the um, magazine industry in Salt Lake City was not sufficient to be able to support kids, really. I mean, it was good when I was in the poet poverty phase, but it didn't buy, you know, good shoes every year. And so I was unemployed, (laughs) had no idea what direction I was going to go. I I was applying for jobs and I thought, you know, I can live really, really, really cheaply. I'm going to live with friends for a year and I'm going to fund the writing of this book via a Kickstarter that will give me just enough to have about 10 months. And my goal was to finish the first draft of the book in that time. And so, you know, and I I don't know if I've seen prior to that a book that had not yet been written. That was just the promise of a book. It was up for a Kickstarter, but I decided to go for it and I gave it everything I got. And the, the Kickstarter funded in three days, um, went over what I had hoped it would go to and gave me 10 months. And I finished the first draft in literally in that amount of time. Amazing. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join. 
to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. That's such an inspiring story. I mean, such an inspiring story. And of course, the result blood orange night yeah it kind of gives me chills to think about it and and you know it's been described so, so often as like this propulsive cautionary page turner and of course you live through it so writing about it it seems must have been um somewhat cathartic for you yeah i would say it was um it was a way of i think a lot of times for me when I write, it's a way of, of digging deeper into the well and sifting through and finding, trying to understand the world around me to understand what had happened to me in these kind of series of traumas. And also, I think it's a transformative process because there was a way of really finding the gems of the experience, which is, which is hard to speak for when you have a, a real severe trauma. But for me, the process became this sort of transformational exercise in really finding the beauty and, and really um, witnessing myself as a character that had gone through um, some radically difficult times of like near death, you know, stroke. And, and seeing myself as a character gave me that distance to be able to really pull out some of the magic that happened, um, you know, in the survival aspect of it. Yeah, that is really fascinating. And um, yeah, congratulations on the reception, of course, and now out in paperback, which must be really kind of a, a feel like a, a testament to the to the, what you've been through. I mean, um, do, are you breathing a little bit of a, a kind of a sigh of relief now? Or what's the, what is the uh, what's the vibe over there these days? Oh, it's like it's like triumphant, you know? Not only did I survive, but I was able to, I mean, just put my heart and soul into something as a way to, you know, for me, what really drove the writing of the book was to try to make something of the experience, but also to really spare anyone else, or, you know, if I could, from going through what I had been through. And and it wasn't just an exercise in trying to get the information out there. I wanted to create something that was of real beauty, that was evocative, and that would hold people um, beyond the facts themselves, beyond, you know, the, the trauma, you know, if people are really into, you know, trauma memoirs. Um, I wanted it to be something more than that. So the fact that I feel like I pulled it off, and I feel like it's been received that way is just, you know, it's, it feels um, the, the gratification and the, the gratitude that I have is just overwhelming. And congrats. I understand it was selected uh, Barnes and Noble um, nonfiction book of the month. That's got to be a win. That's a win. <laughs> yeah. And of course, a best audiobook of 2022 named by the New York Times. And um, I thought that 
I think Nylon described it as a page-turning memoir chronicling a woman's accidental descent into prescription benzodiazepine dependence. I hope I'm saying that properly. And the life-threatening impacts of long-term youth that chills to the bone, and it really does. Such harrowing stuff to think about. But of course, this is not unusual in America, right? Overprescription of drugs that aren't, you know, that we don't always necessarily know the long-term health effects of. Um, but the New York Times uh, had said, a word of caution, the author pulls you so far down her psychological rabbit hole that it can be difficult, emotionally speaking, to crawl back out. Not just a memoir, but also a, a chilling true crime story. You know, we're kind of, we kind of experience it with you. And kudos on the work. Of course, I can't wait to talk about um, what you are working on more recently. But um, yeah, um, just uh, talk a little bit about where, where you are now and what kind of what you're looking at in the future. Well, you know, it's interesting when you, you know, my memoir is the first national book. And it's so, I, I never thought I was going to write a memoir because, um, you know, I'm naturally, you know, I don't want to put myself out there. I've been more of a fiction writer and a poet. Um, so it was shocking for me to have this life experience that when I reflected upon it, I was like, this, this is a memoir. Like, this is the kind of thing that you say, holy shit, you've got to write about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, so obviously I did, but what I'm really excited about now is, um, the fiction that, you know, I've been working on for years that I can now return to. And it's interesting because I thought, wow, you know, is my, is my editor going to want me to do some kind of follow on, you know, how did you survive, you know, things on wellness and health. And, you know, and while those are, those are things that I am interested in and practice, my passion is really in creating um, fiction that is, um, that is pretty different. I mean, I, uh, when I, I've been working on it and it's a little, it's always weird to say the word experimental, but it's it's using forms that I haven't necessarily seen in the way that I'm doing it. I'm just playing around. Um, but it also is infused with some of the themes that have been my life experience, which is the real um, fracture in the healthcare system, both the straight medical and the mental health care system in the United States. So um, that weirdly enough, was part of the book. This was a book I worked, began working on in my early 20s. Uh, no, sorry, late 20s. Um, and it was part of that. And so it was really, really sort of weirdly premonitional that, is that a word, premonitional? Mm. I like <laughs> it. it. A, yeah. Um, it was a premonition, you know, that I ended up kind of experiencing it in a really, really broad, um, intense way. And so I just have more information now. and. Um, you know, I'm, I'm loving having the flexibility of um, the world of fiction, you know, to do what I want with the characters. So that's what I'm working on now. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit more about your process, of course, now and kind of the evolution of, of your writing process um, and how your background in journalism probably kind of informs part of that um, work ethic. But talk um, a little bit about, I, I had just seen that you'd mentioned um, a book that had kind of helped you through through that dark time 
the places that scare you. And that's, an, mm. that's another one that I found incredibly insightful and, and uh, important at a time, I think, when I was kind of at a low ebb myself. Yeah. But um, yeah, ta- talk a little bit about that book and, and or, you know, others, but, but in particular, because some of the themes that I remember from that book seem resonant in um, the way that you talk about kind of transcending uh, the trauma, et cetera. Yeah. Well, I love that you picked up on, so, um, the places that scare you is by the, uh, Buddhist nun Pema Chodron. And I have, from the time I was, you know, fairly young, I would say in my late teens, been really interested in, um, Buddhist philosophies and especially the practice of mindfulness and presence and acceptance so Pema Chodron, there were there were a series of books that I I took with me when I was you know sort of creating this personal made detox because it had to go on for um and kind of an indefinite amount of time. I was told by the addictionologist that I worked with that it could take me anywhere from ten months to two years to get off the medication that I had taken, you know, just as my doctor prescribed. So this was a marathon. And I needed uh, a kind of strength that would move beyond my personal will into something that was greater than me. So this is where my own personal philosophies of, you know, kind of um, the ancient Greeks, as well as the Buddhist philosophies of both sitting in absolute acceptance of the present moment as well as being able to look beyond the self into kind of an ex, you know ecstasy, the ecstasis, which is sitting beyond oneself into something bigger and holding to that as, as your anchor. So both of those sort of philosophical and spiritual um, modalities or belief systems really were what helped me make it through a time in my life when I really wasn't sure if I was going to survive. And, and then also just the practice of writing stuff down or creating art. There was actually a period where I was so physically disabled, I couldn't write with a pen. I could type on the computer, but my eyes were so affected and my writing was so affected. It was, I, I couldn't, you couldn't read it. So those two things really supported me in having a strength that went beyond personal will. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yeah, uh, I can't wait to just talk a little bit more about your writing process. Of course, I could pick your brain about the the... <laughs> the process of transcending the trauma all day, but, um, <laughs> let's talk about, uh, yeah, like, okay. So what, what is a good day for you now, now that you've kind of had your dark night of the soul and, um, are in a, in a place now where you're, you know, writing fiction and are you a morning writer? Uh, are you somebody who 
you know, gets up and brews a pot of coffee and gets at it? Or um, <laughs> are you a procrastinator like me? Oh, you know, I am not a procrastinator, really. Um, I think because there was something, uh, I, I've always, I've developed a pretty disciplined practice for myself. And part of that is having, you know, um, you know, just doing all of the life stuff that we all have to do. You know, I have two kids. I've got to, you know, put on the sort of mama role to be able to make sure they get what they need. I have a full-time job. So that leaves these little windows. And um, I take those windows and I, I plan them out ahead of time. So in part, it's like throwing a line forward, like fishing, you know, like I'll throw the line forward. I know I'm going to have time to write these days. I'll have this certain number of, of hours and that will begin the process of kind of simmering. It's almost like I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm mixing my metaphors like crazy here right now, Kelton, but I'm, <laughs> I'm like, you know, getting ready to make a soup and I start simmering on what I'm going to be writing on. So in, for instance, if I'm working on my fiction piece, which the working title right now is Streamline Jenny, I will be thinking about what are the next um, movements for the characters? What are the problems that I'm encountering? What, you know, um, and then I'll even do, you know, some meditating and like different things um, for insight because a lot of times, and I'll also, oh, this is a practice that I have. I journal every morning, just freeform. And a lot of times, first thing in the morning, I'll get these ideas that I didn't even know were inside of me. Like, oh, I know that the character of Simone needs to do this, or she's going to fall in love with so-and-so. And those things, once I've thrown that line out, and I know that I'm going to be working like four hours on Saturday, or I'm going to have, you know, chunks, two hours every single day, that simmering process will begin, or that reeling in of the line, whatever metaphor really strikes you. Yeah, the creative process mm -hmm. takes many forms. And of course, that incubation period is super important. And I like the just kind of the free form, what is it, uh, Kerouac's uh, method. It's Kerouac's method. Well, I'm blanking, <laughs> I'm, blanking. I'm blanking. Uh, stream of consciousness, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Sometimes stream of consciousness can get you there. Obviously, it's not always great writing, but of course, you rely on craft. And I think probably as a journalist and a a poet both makes for some super compelling prose. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I, I have always thought in pictures. And so that really helps, I think, with the prose because I see things visually so much. And I, I think the stream of consciousness is kind of like clearing off the desk. You know, you've got, a, like, you've got this messy desk and you've got all these ideas and then you've also got kind of these to-do lists. And you've got to clear off the desk before you can really sit down with the book and get started. Yeah, clearing off the desk. Absolutely. Setting the desk is important. Yeah, um, I got a fun one for you before we kind of wrap up with your advice to your fellow scribes. Of course, I will point to your home base there um, where we can learn more, connect with you in all the socials. And that is melissaabond.com. And um, yeah, I was fascinated to read more about your bio but of course the uh the poetry slam piece is really really cool and uh yeah i, I understand that you've even worked in in radio some kind of doing some uh experimental stuff there too right yeah yeah that was really fun i was totally 
like under the radar. A friend of mine was doing these five minute shorts on our local radio station, fiction shorts. And he was like, hey, come with me and you, you can start doing this too. And we kind of bypassed the typical like training thing you're supposed to do and we would just go in late at night and and like i would record these five minute fictional shorts and we finally got in trouble but they really liked what we were doing (laughs) (laughs) you got in trouble we got in trouble because they were like wait a minute who's this melissa bond like she's never been through our training and she's creating (laughs) these fictional shorts in our studio at like 11 o'clock at night (laughs) amazing that's so cool such a cool story um well, um, Blood Orange Night, of course, a memoir of insomnia, motherhood, and benzos. Yeah, looking forward to rapping with you in the future about some fiction stuff. But yeah, I got a fun one for you. If you could have drinks and or dinner with any author from any era, um, who would you take and where are we going? Oh, my gosh. Oh, and where are we going? Um, <laughs> okay, so I'm going to... S- the- First thing that comes initially is um, from this era, Margaret Atwood. Her yeah. mind just just blows me away. I would love to talk with her because, especially because it's so prescient right now. Um, but she's been writing um, along that line. Ursula K. Le Guin. I think some of you know the um, her musings on uh, the social. Um, structure that that kind of uh is killing us is is really interesting but then i also where would we go i would take them both on a picnic far (laughs) far away from here and i would have the most divine picnic in a beautiful meadow kind of um yeah in a beautiful grassy meadow with no one else around oh Um, perfect yeah and then you know i keep thinking um one of the mystic poets i would love to hang out with hafiz um probably in like a tavern somewhere (laughs) oh i love it it's a (laughs) two-parter yeah yeah cool all right uh in a tavern what are we drinking Mm, let's see i i would i would get hafiz anything that he wanted and i would what would i drink um I would probably drink some kind of mead. I would want something that they had, but some kind of mead. Mead. Okay. I <laughs> uh, love it. Um, this is all new to me. So um, a truly original two-part date um, with both mm. the fabulous Margaret Atwood, mm-hmm. Ursula Le Guin, and then a mystic poet in a tavern with some mead. Love it. Um, Very cool. Well, thank you, Melissa. Uh, We really appreciate your words, your wisdom, um, taking the time to wrap with us today. I was going to say, as a a goofy aside, um, Margaret Atwood retweeted me once. (gasps) It's like a highlight of my life because I had had interviewed the creator of um, the fantastic adaptation, most recent adaptation uh, of The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, my gosh. And uh, so he came on the show and we wrapped and of course I tweeted about it and she oh. retweeted it and it was Oh, it my was heart would have thrilling. stopped, Kelton. <laughs> Honestly. I think it did for a moment. It was definitely yeah. skipped the beat. <laughs> so cool. Uh, you know, I would love to just get your final pearl of wisdom 
any advice you may have to just your fellow scribes on how to keep going yeah. in a nutshell? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what I would say, the, th- the thing that I see so often with writers and that I struggled with for years is that gnome that can be a monster of self-doubt. You know, that question of, am, am I good enough? Or do I really have something unique to write? And, and what I would say is you acknowledge that gnome of self-doubt, you give it a cookie and you ask it to please sit in the corner because everyone has just absolute beauty and a gem inside of them. And if you can put that aside, what comes out of you is, is just incredible. And just keep working and trusting that you will, you will hit your stride. You know, and it just takes um, setting that self-doubt aside and trusting that the work is finding you. I love that so much. Such a great place to uh, end up and and putting self-doubt aside is something that we can always remember. And again, um, congrats on the work. Uh, Really look forward to reading more of your work. And this experimental fiction sounds really cool. So um, yeah, hopefully we'll get to wrap again. But uh, thank you for your time today. Oh, total pleasure, Kelton. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writerfiles.fm for more. That's writerfiles.fm. 